This podcast was recorded for the Sound Environment Show on Radio Galari. Radio Galari is a community radio station based in the Kimberley, Western Australia. For more information, go to www.galari.com. We have on the phone this evening Patrick Perlman, who is a Principal Solicitor from the EDO. Patrick, what has been happening with funding of the Environmental Defender's Office recently? Well, um, starting in December 2013, the Commonwealth uh, cut all of our funding. Um, That added up to about $100,000 of roughly a $300,000 operating budget that we had. And uh, that has not, that decision has not been reversed uh, since December 2013. Uh, The state has now, we learned on Monday, about uh, nearly two weeks after the state budget was released, we learned for the first time that the state uh, government has also terminated all of our funding. And that's roughly another $140,000, meaning that 240000 250000 of our $300,000 operating budget has now been cut. Um, that's about 80% of our budget. So it sounds like um, funding-wise your organization's completely gutted and it's, you know, considering what the Environmental Defenders Office does, it's not an organization that runs on huge amounts of cash anyway. Um, can you no, that's, uh, <laughs> you know, the, what, what it takes to keep the EDO operating uh, is probably less than what a single partner at a large Perth law firm makes in, an, in a, any given year. Yeah, I know people always joke about uh, lawyers being in it for the big bucks, but I'm pretty sure at the EDO that is not the... <laughs> That is I not the motivating factor. Um, but uh, you know, so much good stuff comes out of the the EDO. Though I mean, I, I guess from the environmental point of view, it's really a good value finding for the state and the, gov- and the federal government to invest in. But there has been some suggestion that um, almost your success has been your downfall. I, I think it's it's hard not to conclude that. The cases that we've run, and in some instances, the success that we've had in those cases has been um, a contributing factor uh, in the uh, both the Commonwealth, the, the federal decision to defund, and uh, this now the state decision to defund. Um, that's that's pretty, uh, I, I think, pretty clear from the Commonwealth's perspective. For example, and, and just getting back to one of the things you said about um, value for money, the Productivity Commission in a report to Parliament, or to the Commonwealth government in September 2014, made just that point, that all the EDOs, and I, I want to stress this, from the Commonwealth perspective, the Commonwealth government defunded every EDO in Australia, not just my office, not not just just the Western Australian EDO, but every EDO in the country. So in September 2014, the Productivity Commission did a massive report, two volumes, um, and as part of that report found that EDOs serve a valuable role um, in expressing the public, the community's views on environmental decisions, on being able to educate government as to those views, um, it did it for an incredibly small amount of money um, and ought to be, uh, ought to have their funding restored by the Commonwealth government. Now, when the Commonwealth uh, 
restored funding to some community legal centers at the end of March this year, the one thing that it did was it expressly excluded EDOs and only EDOs <coughs> from uh, the funding that was being restored. So we were cut off in December of 2013. We remain cut off now, even though the Commonwealth has gone back and at least restored some funding to the community legal center sector. As for the state government, you know, it's no secret. We, we successfully challenged um, the James Price Point approval. Um, we had some unsuccessful challenges to other aspects of development at joint James Price Point. We also challenged the premier's, um, you know, charcoal program. And, uh, and I don't think that that was, um, that was not a, a frivolous case by any means. I think we had a serious challenge that we ran. Uh, and in fact, we ended up, uh, even though we lost the case itself, uh, we convinced the court not to award costs against us on the grounds that it was uh, an important, novel, uh, public interest issue that we were litigating um, and that, uh, you know, costs should not be awarded against us. So that's, that's mm -hmm. certainly some of the um, matters that we've run that I don't think have made us many friends. Um, and we heard something to that effect, that uh, really? the, the state government was particularly irked uh, by our participation in, in the shark call case. Um, and we know that there were questions raised um, that, you know, why is the state funding an office that, that sues us? You know, that's, that's, that's part of our basic mission. I mean, that is your basic mission, but um, equally, uh, I guess there is this question of who polices the police. I'm not that familiar with the Shark Carl case, but I know in the case of James Price Point, it was looking at the EPA, the Environmental Protection um, authority, the way decisions are made and the way conflicts of interest are handled. And these, you know, when we're talking about huge development, these are actually really key questions. If the state government, um, per perhaps it's not possible for the state government to look at itself with any perspective. It needs an outside independent body that doesn't have any vested interest to examine these sorts of decisions and to examine them from, you know, with a, a legal background as well. With regard, going back to the James Price point, that's absolutely the case because, as, as you know, um, the, the court threw out the EPA's decision on the grounds that the EPA failed to comply with, you know, rules prohibiting members who had conflicts of interest from participating in decision-making. Um, that ultimately ended up uh, with Parliament, this, this, the, the state government, enacting legislation that retroactively validated um, something in the neighborhood of 20 to 30 to 40 prior EPA proceedings and decisions that may have been tainted by a conflict of interest. Now, that, that was a reaction to the case that we ran and won um, on James Price Point. Um, even to the extent of one of the arguments we made was that um, the delegation that was made by the EPA to the chairman to make the, the final decision to issue the final report, we argued, and, and the court disagreed, but we argued that that should have been a delegation to at least three people because the statute requires collective decision-making by EPA. Now, what's interesting is that even though we lost that argument uh, with the Supreme Court, when uh, the EPA undertook to reassess James Price Point, 
um, it delegated that decision-making to three people, which we think proves that, in fact, our argument was correct. Yeah, it certainly seems that getting in there and, and having the EDO to influence these things is a really useful thing, and it, it, generally the environment doesn't have an advocate, so that's why we need an environmental defender's office. But, uh, Patrick Perlman, um, what is the next steps for, for you and your team at the EDO? What's going to happen now? Well... I don't know. To be honest, I don't know. Uh, we have to. We have begun a funding appeal. Um, we are reaching out to um, generate more members um, to get more uh, people to um, join us as members. That that generates, um, quite honestly, revenue for our operations through membership fees uh, to make tax deductible donations to us. Uh, we are looking for uh, grants from public and private funders. Um, you know, we're looking at all of those as uh, potential avenues, and we're also looking, frankly, at, at significantly cutting our expenditures in order to stay in operation for as long as we can. That's right. If you know someone with a few spare $100,000 or even just a small amount, get it, send it over to the EDO. Thanks again, Patrick Perlman, Principal Solicitor from the Defunded Environmental Defenders Office.